too much time doing this, but I know that uh, there are, are plenty of, of weeks that stand alone, and there are, um, even like when we get into something that's more of a teaching series, there's really not a need to always necessarily recap everything, but I want to quickly recap the last two weeks um, so we can see how everything ties together. I've been doing a series on grace, and uh, let me first of all say that I've been sick, and i um, Anytime that I have preached on medication, uh, it's been really interesting. Tonight you get me com- like coming off of medication, so I'm trying to like figure out what it feels like to be normal again. Um, and so uh, I don't really know what's going to happen. So uh, if it gets a little ridiculous, just chalk it up to that. Um, doing a series on grace, and uh, the first week uh, we went through Ephesians 2, and uh, the first 10 verses, just looking at at grace being defined as unmerited favor, and we just kind of unpacked both of those uh, terms. Um, favor being uh, God saying that uh, basically I like you, and I'm going to do in your life what you cannot do for yourself. That's favor. Um, but the difference between his favor and like the favor that you find, you know, with your boss or with your neighbors or whatever, is that. Um, there's no, uh, it, it's that unmerited part. The fact that, that we haven't earned it, that w- the fact that we don't deserve it, um, the fact that there's, um, God doesn't do something for us so that we'll then owe him, all right? I must sell the office this week, all right? There's no, like, Dwight, Andy, you know, going on uh, with, with us and God. Um, he doesn't do it, so we owe him. Um, it is to, of no advantage to him to do something for us, um, so it doesn't work in his favor. It's a completely free gift. And so um, just because he is who he is, he does things in our lives that we can't do for ourselves. And um, most of, of what we went through that week was um, like the, the grace when you are saved. The fact that, <clears throat> that we are born separated from God and Jesus is the way that we can then be rejoined to the Father again. Um, that is done out of complete grace. So the favor side of that is we can't rejoin ourselves to God. So that's the thing that we can't do for ourselves. The unmerited side is that we actually deserve to be punished for that. Um, so we, we, we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. Um, it does him no advantage. You know, it's not so we'll owe him one. There's, it's just this completely free, absolutely, like, amazing gift of Jesus on the cross for us. So that was the first week. Um, in the second week, we, we kind of got into um, live, like living by grace. I think saved by grace is something that a lot of us are familiar with. Living by grace is not, um, that is a little bit more uncomfortable to teach. Um, a lot of folks grew up in a, if you come from a church background, especially in the United States for some reason, whether it's taught from like, from the pastor or through Sunday school or actually what I think it's more of just it's the reality of the way the church community unfolds it's like you're saved by grace but then you live by rules and you live by do's and don'ts 
And I think that there are, uh, I think it's a, it's a scary thing to, to teach about living by grace because, um, because it can be so misinterpreted. And I'll get to that in, in, in a few minutes. Um, so when it comes to living by grace, we looked at the, at the, the story of the prodigal son. So you had a, a son, um, he had an older brother, but this younger son um, asked for all his inheritance from his dad. And he left the family and went and um, spent all his money. He went to Vegas, basically, and did everything in Vegas you could possibly do, spent all his money, and had that moment of reality where he needed to come back and uh, tell his dad he was sorry. So he had this whole speech worked up. And he goes back home, and um, he tells his dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the dad basically just throws a party, puts a ring on his finger, robe on his back, sandals on his feet, um, says, we're going to have a party because my son, um, who was lost, has now been found. He was dead. Uh, I thought he was dead. He's alive. Um, and, and we kind of just got into the fact that grace has nothing to do with, uh, with our performance in life. That this kid had a bad day. He had a bad month. Um, and and we've, all, we've all been there. We've all had those times where we've been rebellious and we've made bad decisions or we've just blatantly done what we wanted to do regardless of what we knew what was right or you know or whatever and we've just lived that self-centered life and and you can only do that for so long and at some point if you're a christian that spirit inside of you is just wearing you out because you you just you it's you're just suffocating and we all get to that point and where this kid in the story he's like he's like you know wishing he could eat the slop that the pigs were eating you know We've all been there where it's like this, like this light shines on. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is, this is what it's come to. And so he decides to return to his father, but he had that issue. And he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And we have very similar issues because when we've been struggling, we've been rebelling, we've, been, we've had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or a couple of bad years, um, we, we feel like we have to come in and like, apologize and and we have to like you know have this whole plan organized of how we're going to do things and whatever as if we have to come and and earn our way back into God's good graces and so it really comes down to a lot of us walk around feeling like God's mad at us most of the time like he's just always shaking his head disappointed in us and we just keep letting him down and letting him down letting him down whatever but how grace is not about our performance it's not about, oh, you had a really good day, really good Jesus-centered day, and I'm going to bless you. And, oh, you had a really bad, rebellious day, and now I'm going to, like, completely crush you. That's not, that's not how grace works. That that unmerited favor is the same both the day that you were saved, as applied to you, and every day that you live. So a bad day just shows that you're still in need of that grace. And on a good day, it means you're not you're you're not that far gone. Good days are proof of His grace. And even on your best day, you're still not you're not outside the the need of that. It's only by His grace that you had a good day. And I think that's that is is a huge point for us to really um, to really invest our time in. And thinking and really praying, and and seeing okay, how much, how much of that good day, bad day, how much of that performance, whatever, 
is built into my theology and how I relate to God? How much apologizing do I feel like I have to do to God? How many excuses do I have to feel like I have to come up with? Do I feel like God is mad at me all the time? And I've had to relearn that a lot lately. Just when I feel like, okay, I've got a good grip on it, you know what happens? I go to sleep. I'm not like as I'm driving, but like at night, I go to sleep. And then the next day, you know what? It's a new day. And someday, sometimes that new day is, is a good one. And sometimes it's not a good one. And so it's this continual, just like all, all the time, 24-7, living by the grace of God. And even, even like, I've, I've kind of gotten to this point where and I, don't, I try to think in terms of days, you know, had a good day, had a bad day. Because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like that all or nothing guy, you know. Like, if I, if I eat something really bad for me at lunch, I might as well eat for something really bad for me at dinner, right? Why not? It's a day, a day is a day. And other people are super disciplined. They're like, oh, I can't eat a big dinner because I had a big lunch. I'm like, whatever. And so if I've just had a, 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 one of those mornings where it's just been completely self-focused, there is no point in that day where the, where the entire day is just a wash, where God's like, well, that's it. It's a Tuesday, and this day is a wash. We'll start over tomorrow. No, because Tuesday morning at 10.15, if I realize, and, and, and I just come to that, that point, I'm like, okay, I'm completely self-absorbed today. At 10.15, that day can turn because I live by grace. It's not about my performance. God's not mad at me. Now, he wants me to walk in truth and to live a life that reflects him and all that kind of stuff. But because I've been struggling or whatever, it doesn't push me out of bounds and push me out of favor with him. It doesn't mean that I'm definitely going to get you know, uh, I'm definitely going to bounce a check today and have a flat tire on the way home and I'm going to get into a wreck or something or whatever. Like, that's not how it works. So, unmerited favor, completely undeserved, God doing things that you can't do for yourself. Not only the day that you're saved, but every single day. And us trying to break out of this mindset of feeling like when we've messed up, we have to earn our way back in or feeling like we've lost something. It's just learning, learning how to live in reality. And that's what, I, that's what I feel like Like the landing point what last week was, is that grace brings you in touch with the reality of what it means to live in Christ. That in that moment when that boy comes up to his dad and he says, he starts his speech and his dad cuts him off and throws him a party, that was a reality moment for him. That grace doesn't, doesn't look at, at what all that rebellion and all that stuff that he had done. It doesn't... Grace doesn't say, okay, all that doesn't matter. What grace says is that all that doesn't change anything because you're still my son. Because all that stuff matters. Those bad days matter. I mean, there are consequences and there are relationships and there are people that get hurt and they're all, they're all, all that stuff is real and needs to be dealt with. But grace says, but that doesn't change anything. You're still my son. And that's a beautiful truth for us. And we, we, have to, we have to understand the difference between those two things. 
See, an immature view of grace is one that, that takes grace and says, oh, grace means I can just do whatever I want all the time. That it doesn't matter. That I can have a day that's all about me and God's okay with it. He's like, oh, okay, well, I still love you anyway. See, those things, they matter. They're important. They need to be dealt with. But they don't get you kicked out of the family. They don't get you ostracized. I think that's what a lot of, a lot of times I think grace is, is not taught on enough because there's a fear that it's going to be um, immaturely handled. You talk about grace and it just basically just hand you a license to go and do whatever you want because God's gracious and he'll just forgive you and he's, you know, he's soft. That's not what it's about. Now look, look in, in Hebrews 12. This is where I, where I feel like we need to go tonight in these few minutes as we close. What about the stuff we're supposed to do? All right, if grace is not about performance, what about the things in, in life that we're supposed to, to, to do, the tasks, the effort we're supposed to put into it, the things that could be, could be considered performance? All right? You think about the older brother in the parable. You know, the younger brother comes back and there's a party going on. He has this older brother who's been around and he's always done it, what he was supposed to do. And he gets really jealous and mad and he goes to his dad and he says, look, I've, I've never left. I didn't do what my brother did and I've, I've done everything that you've always asked. You never even like gave me a little goat to kill to have a party with my friends or whatever. So what about the things that we are supposed to do like that? Look at, um, look at Hebrews 12, 14. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace and holiness. Okay? Strive for peace and holiness. Okay, so what, what, about, like, what about that? What about when Scripture says to put the needs of others ahead of yourself? What about uh, when, when Scripture says to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things? What about when Scripture says to, to, um, to tithe and to take care of the widows and the orphans and to pray for one another? And, I mean, what about those, all those things that we're supposed to do? What about a quiet time? You know, when you, what about time when you pray and when you get into the Scriptures? If grace it has nothing to do with my performance, then how do all those things that Scripture commands, how do they fit into that? Um, because some, some would see those two things as going against each other. You'd say, well, if it's not about performance, then why do I even bother performing? It's not about my, like what I do, then why would I even do anything? Well, grace, and let, and let, let's, call it, let's call it holiness, okay? Because it's, it's pursuing holiness. That verse says strive for holiness. That word strive is it's an aggressive word. Um, here it says strive. Other places um, it's interpreted in, in English as uh, pursue. Um, and other places it is persecute. Persecute is aggressive. It's hunt down and trap it to try and destroy it. So strive is very aggressive. So if we're supposed to aggressively pursue holiness... Okay, which is us growing in Christ, becoming more and more like him every single day. And these are all the things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to study the word. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to be involved in, you know, in 
community within our church, and we're supposed to do all, all these things. If none of those things matter when it comes to grace, then why bother doing them? I want us to see tonight how not only, it's not that they are opposed to each other, they actually work in tandem with each other in a way that actually enhances what we're supposed to be doing. Flip over to, to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to try to show how these go together, and I um, hope that this makes sense. Look at 1 Peter 1, 13. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay? So being holy in all of your conduct. Okay? Being like Jesus in all of your conduct. That's what we are trying to do. That is the effort that we are, that's, that's what all our effort is toward. Okay? That is the goal. Grace does not mean that you just throw that out the window and do whatever you want. So they... They have to go together because Scripture paints both of them together. And so here's how it works. Look at verse 13 again. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, in, in this verse, he's saying, okay, take your mind. In some translations, it's, it says, gird up the loins of your mind, which is kind of weird. Um, but that's like they would, you know, they, they apparently wore robes a lot. And um, I don't know if you've ever like tried to like run in a robe. Um, I haven't. But uh, I would imagine that it would not be very easy. And so they would, they would, would tuck the robes up into their belts so that their legs were free. Um, and so he's like, take your mind and all these thoughts and gird them up. I think we've all been there before. I think there's something about like on a Sunday night. When you come in, you're like, blah, 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 blah. Did the saints win or not? This and this and this. And after, like, it gets about into that first song and you stop talking to all the people around you and stuff and you start looking and you start singing, I think that's, that's what happens to our minds is all these scattered, loose thoughts kind of get, like, pulled together. So I think he's saying, okay, focus your mind. Be sober-minded, all right? Don't be influenced by anything else. And set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, this verse is talking about when Jesus comes back for us, there will be a fullness of grace that comes with him. Um, our faith is full of this, like, it's like three things happening, um, and they're all, they all are happening, but they all, like, aren't happening at the same time This. Isticity, I think is what Jake said. Um, let me explain that a little bit better. Um, you are saved, all right? And as you live daily life, you are being saved each, each and every day. Each and every day, that salvation is happening and happening and happening. And then 
Jesus will save you ultimately one day again when you're in heaven. Okay? They're not separate salvations. It's it's almost like it's like different um how how much time I explain it. It's you are saved, you are being saved, you will be saved. All are true. You are justified, okay? So you're connected to him. Now we're being sanctified where we become more and more and more and more like him. Then we're with him, we'll be glorified, okay? You are saved by grace. Then you are living by grace. And then there will be the fullness of grace. And so our, our faith is full of these things that, that have happened and they are happening and they will happen all at the same time. And this is one of those things. So what he's saying is, okay, get your, like, get your wits about you and set your hope fully on that grace that is coming to you. Don't hope in all this stupid stuff. Set your hope on something that is important. Now think about, think about a life that is, whose entire hope is set fully on that one thing. Talk about stability. Talk about focus. Talk about purpose. Talk about a life that is not rattled by um, all these like, things that come and go or whatever. When your hope is fully set on the right thing, it shows. And we all know people whose hope is set on the right thing. And you're like, that person is just so incredibly stable. And that's why. Because they don't put their hope on the stock market or on, you know, uh, whatever or who the president is or what's going on in the world or whatever. Their hope is in one place. So he says, set your hope on grace. That is the focus and the context of your life is grace. And then he says... 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Walk obediently and be holy in all your conduct. Set your hope fully on grace and walk obediently in holiness. See, grace is the context, it is the environment, it is the atmosphere where we walk through all those things where we are trying to be holy and pursuing holiness and striving and persecuting holiness. Persecuting in a good way. Where we're tracking it down and we're aggressively saying, I want to be like Jesus. And all those efforts and all that stuff that's going on, that is in being done in this context of grace. Dallas Willard says it like this. He says that grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. See, effort, work, that's a part of it for us. And so we can't, you can't dismiss something whenever we say, okay, well, grace is not, grace is not contingent on your performance. You don't throw out all your effort. You say, no, grace is the context for your effort. So that means on like your very, very best day, it's being done surrounded by grace. On your absolute worst day, it's done surrounded by grace. If your hope is fully set on grace and you have a bad morning, 
that morning can completely turn itself around right there on the spot. Because it's not contingent on your performance. Now, your efforts matter, but it doesn't change anything. Good day, bad day, you're still a son or a daughter. You didn't earn your sonship, so you can't do anything to uh, unearn it. You're not that awesome. You're not that powerful. So, so the real thing comes down to we have to examine the attitude behind our efforts. That's really, that's really what, what it boils down to for us. Because if we're going to set our hope fully on the grace of Christ, whether it's what's coming to us in the future, or, I mean, I know this is, not, this is going outside what the verse says, but even if that's the grace that we live in every day, if our hope is fully set there, and that is the context, as we go through each and every day and we make those efforts, and we get into the scriptures and we pray the prayers and we serve one another and we, we try to obey our Lord. If you stumble and fall, you get back up. If you have a really great day, you have a community that celebrates that with you. And the getting back up and the celebration, neither one of them point to you. The story of the prodigal son isn't about the son. It's not about the younger one or the older one. It's all about the father. And at the end of the day, no matter what our performance is, our lives point back to the Father. So what we have to do is figure out, okay, where's, the, where's my attitude in my effort? That's the thing with, with the older son. As he comes in, he's, you know, he's like, I mean, I've done all this stuff for you, and this, and this, and this, and this. If you go back and you read it, he had... Uh, attitude issues just like the younger one did. The younger one was rebellious. The older one was just wasn't really doing it because he loved the father. There was something else going on. See if grace if grace is not opposed to effort, then we gotta get to work. Grace is opposed to earning, then we have to, to look at our lives and say, okay, why why is it that I do the things that I do? So what, what am I trying to do? Look, and that's some of the takeaway tonight is, is this. To look at your life, not, not the life that you want or hope for. Look at your life as it is and begin to ask yourself, why, why do I do the things that I do? Or why do I not do the things that I don't do? That's too many nots. Um, why don't I? Wait. I can't even figure out how to say it. The things that I don't do, why don't I do them? Is that better? Because if, if you look at your life and prayer is not a part of it, you have to ask yourself why. Because if you look at your life and prayer is not a part of it, you've probably a million times said, okay, I'm going to start praying more. Preacher preached a sermon about praying, so I guess, guess you want me to pray more, so I'll start praying more. And it doesn't last very long. If prayer is absent, ask yourself why. 
If time in the word is absent, ask yourself why. Notice the things that aren't there and ask why. The things that are there, ask why they are there. Community group leaders, do you lead your group because you love the Lord, because you feel called to serve in that capacity, and you love the people in your group, and you love the life change that comes about from living in community? Or are you leading your group for some other reason? Why do you do the things that you do? If you have a quiet time every single day at the same time, that's a good thing. As, just ask yourself why. Are, are, you, are you trying to earn something? Are you afraid God's going to crush you if you don't? Did you go through a spell where you didn't have a quiet time and you had really bad days and then you started having quiet times again you had really good days? And so you're more afraid of bad days than you are because you just love Jesus a whole lot and you want to spend time with him? See, I, th- I, think, I think we very easily bring little hidden agendas to things. And I don't want to like lead the church to overthink everything. But I don't want us to end up like the older brother. Completely doing all these right things, you know, but for completely the wrong reasons. See, both the older brother and the younger brother, they lost sight of the fact that their father loved them. See, all of our efforts should be a loving response to our father who loves us. Who, regardless of how much we mess up or how much we succeed, Neither one of those things changed the fact that we're his sons and his daughters. And so I have have to ask myself, as the pastor, why why do I pastor this church? Why do I lead the community group that I lead? Why do I do the things that I do? I have to look at my life and say, why why isn't why isn't prayer more prominent in my life? Is it because I feel like God's mad at me and that makes me really timid? Is that why I don't want to draw near to him? It was in one of the community group material uh, things a couple weeks ago. That was one of the questions was, okay, why, why, don't, why don't we run to him? We're talking about his kindness. And if we really thought it was kind, why do we hide from him all the time, you know? It's, why isn't that there? What's the attitude behind my effort? When we begin to, to ask God, to God, show me that. Show me, show me what's lying beneath. Because I don't want to be the younger son. I don't want to be the older son. I want to be the father. I want to be like that. And he'll begin to show us. And the more he shows us, we set our hope fully on that grace. And we learn what it's like just to walk, to not, not get hung up on good days and bad days. We realize that the unmerited favor of our Father means that nothing changes how we relate to Him. So I felt like tonight was just one of those take it or leave it things. And so were, we're not going to do any music. We're going to we're going to do our uh, 
priestly benediction, uh, whatever uh, thing in just a second. I just think that there are just times when you just need to just figure out if this is for you or not. And um, that's going to be for you to determine. Um, so I don't know what the takeaway. Maybe you relate to the younger one. Maybe you relate to the older one. Maybe the whole idea of pursuing holiness, you're like, you know what, I don't do that. Maybe that's for you. I don't know. We're going to finish this up next week. Um, we're going to look at uh, the graciousness of uh, a community and um, how grace fits into how we relate to each other. And then um, after that, we'll begin Advent Conspiracy, um, which if you don't know what that is and you just cannot wait uh, to find out, um, you can go to adventconspiracy.org or com. I'm not sure. It's probably both. Um, adventconspiracy.something. And um, you can check, uh, check that out. But that is uh, the way that we started celebrating Christmas last year. And um, it's very, very cool. And so we'll talk about that coming up. So, um, yeah. Hope that, I hope that you connected with something tonight. Um, we started two weeks ago ending with this priestly bl- blessing. Um, the priests would, uh, at the end of um, certain gatherings, um, they would say this blessing over the congregation, and um, it was a way of reminding them of who they are and um, just praying that the graciousness of God would shine on them. And um, now, um, on this side of Jesus, we are each other's priests, and so we are here to remind each other of, of those truths and so we kind of started this thing where we would say this prayer over each other at the end and that's how we would uh, benedict is that right is that what benediction comes from someone can give me the history of that word later um, that's how we would end um, and I kind of like it so I think we'll just keep doing it so um, tell you what let's stand up uh, thanks for being here tonight and um, I always feel weird when we don't end with music or whatever, but that's, uh, that's okay, right? Okay, hope so. Let's say this together, and then we'll be done. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.